In this lesson, we are going to look at a very important issue for elders. And I've entitled this lesson, The Necessity of Self-Control, Self-Discipline in the Life of a Shepherd Leader. This is actually a biblical qualification. So I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Titus chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 7 and 8. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, or other translations say sensible, which is better, upright, holy, and disciplined, or as other translations say, self-control, which I will prefer in this section here. This last quality refers to self-restraint over one's emotions, passions, especially over one's uh, bodily desires. Now, the noun form of the Greek word here is enkrateia. And this is made up of two words, ego, which is I, and kratos, which is strength. So it communicates the idea of self-restraint, self-mastery, or power over oneself. Here in Titus 1.8, the adjective form uh, is defined by one of our major Greek lexicons this way, having one's emotions, impulses, and desires under control, self-control, discipline. Certainly, a pastor elder must display self-control. There's many reasons for that, but one reason for this is that self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. Self-control is a Christian virtue. And the Bible calls it the fruit of the Spirit. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5, and we'll just read verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Most people know that. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Now listen to the last one, self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. And this quality is crucial to your battle against the works of the flesh, sin, bodily temptations, laziness, an undisciplined, disorderly, self-indulgent lifestyle. So it is a spiritual quality. Now, the writer of Proverbs also knows the significance of self-control in the life of a wise person. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs writes. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 16:32. Notice a person who can control his spirit, self-discipline, is mightier than one who can conquer city. Why, if you can conquer yourself, you're stronger than the person who can conquer a city. Note also, however, in this text, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Controlling one's anger is very important in life, and especially for a leader. And so a person with self-control can control that passion of anger which makes you even stronger than a person who can conquer a city. Another proverb states it this way, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls, Proverbs 25, 28. In the ancient world, walls were necessary to protect the city from enemies. Uh, a city without walls was defenseless, open to all kinds of villainy. The same thing is true of people. Uh, we need 
self-control to act like a wall around us to protect us. Thus, a person without self-control has no protection, no way to block the enemy of lust and laziness and overeating or whatever other temptations one would face. Self-control is like a wall that protects us and keeps us safe. Without it, we are unprotected from the many enemies, and there are many enemies of our soul. This same idea is picked up by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul uses the analogy or the image of the athlete, and he pictures himself as a spiritual athlete in strict training. And he writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Every athlete exercises self-control, this is the verbal form, in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul is viewing himself as a spiritual athlete in strict training. In the Christian race, we have to be disciplined. We have to discipline our bodies from laziness, from lust and greed, out of control sexual appetites, and self-indulgence in sleeping and eating. The virtue of self-control is essential to living the victorious Christian life and shepherding God's people in an overindulgent society. Many of our personal problems and failures are due to a lack of personal self-control. Listen to this quote by D.G. Keel. He writes this, perverse values, wasted time, dull thinking, flabby bodies, and distorted emotions provide ample evidence of our undisciplined lives. So, we need the virtue of discipline to be the kind of shepherds we should be. Now, also, we want to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 5, uh, 6, and 8. Peter makes a promise to us here that if we increase in our self-control, it will keep us from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read this. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, notice they have to be increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Self-control, along with the seven other virtues, protects one from being spiritually barren and unfruitful in life. And most importantly, from that deplorable ignorance of the Lord Jesus Christ that characterizes so many Christians today. So, this is a wonderful promise. If we increase in our self-control, it will help us to be a fruitful Christian and knowledgeable of our blessed Lord. We want to now move to our second major point, which is self-discipline. Closely related to the concept of self-control is self-discipline. One writer puts it this way, discipline is a byproduct of self-control. One dictionary says it this way, it is the ability to do what is necessary or sensible without needing to be urged by someone else. I've heard this said many times and I think it's a good statement. Self-discipline 
is doing what you ought to do even when you don't feel like doing it. That's a real simple definition. The term self-discipline is more specific than self-control and often is related to the idea of a training program or improvement in one's life. It certainly applies to an elder who must keep improving in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, in skill, and uh, fulfill certain very important responsibilities. Church shepherds are busy people with many, many responsibilities involving family, and employment, uh, church work, uh, a personal life. All of these responsibilities demand a life of self-discipline and, and personal organization. In one of his most famous books, Spiritual Depression, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote these very, very powerful words. I hope you will listen to them very carefully because they speak to all of us. Listen to what he says. I defy you to read the life of any saint that has ever adorned the life of the church without seeing at once that the greatest characteristic in the life of that saint was discipline and order. Invariably, it is the universal characteristic of all outstanding men and women of God. Obviously, it is something that is thoroughly scriptural and absolutely essential. Did you hear those words? Time Magazine did an article on why intelligent people fail. And they look at people with uh, uh, advanced uh, degrees in business, from Ivy League schools, with all the credentials, and yet we hear nothing of them. And then there are people who barely finished high school or just have a college degree, and they are very, very successful. And they asked why. They said there are two things they found in successful people. One is they were good at interpersonal relationships. In other words, they got along with people, knew how to deal with people. But the second thing I thought was very interesting, they were self-disciplined people. So if you are to have any success in life, whether it's spiritually or materially, you must be a self-disciplined person. William Barclay amply illustrates the tragic results of the undisciplined life through the sad story of the multi-talented poet, critic, and theologian Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Listen to this very sad story of a man with every gift except the virtue of self-discipline. He writes of Coleridge. Coleridge is the supreme tragedy of indiscipline. Never did so great a mind produce so little. He left Cambridge to join the army. He left the army because he could not rub down a horse. He returned to Oxford and left without a degree. He began a paper called The Watchman, which lived for ten number and then died. He has been said of him that he lost himself in visions of work to be done that always remained to be done. Coleridge had every poetic gift but one, the gift of sustained, concentrated effort. In his head... And in his mind, he had all kinds of books, he said of himself, complete, save for a transcription. But the books were never composed outside of Coleridge's mind because he would not face the discipline of sitting down to write them out. No one ever achieved any eminence, and no one having achieved it ever maintained it without discipline. The Apostle Paul picks up on this idea, particularly in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. Listen to this. Train yourself for godliness. Or we could translate it this way, and some translations do. Uh, discipline yourself for godliness. 
Training for a sport always involves self-discipline, effort, personal commitment, concentration, hard work, pain, sacrifice. Without these elements, there is no training. The simple fact is this, my dear friends, and let us really understand this. There can be no deep, significant, long-lasting spiritual growth without a disciplined life of prayer, reading, study of the Bible, and responsible Christian service. The same is also true of our leadership ministry. To be effective as a shepherd leader, uh, one needs to exercise much self-discipline for one's personal growth in Christ and ministry responsibilities. So what I want to look at now are some practical helps to cultivate self-discipline. 